0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Tuesday of the 12th week in Ordinary Time. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: And with your spirit.
0: Grant, O Lord, that we may always revere and love your holy name. For you never deprive of your guidance those you set firm on the foundation of your love. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen.
2: A reading from the second book of the Kings. Sennacherib, king of the Assyrians, sent messages to Hezekiah, saying, Tell this to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, on whom you are relying, deceive you, when he says, Jerusalem shall not fall into the power of the king of Assyria. You have learnt by now what the king of Assyria has done to every country, putting them all under the ban. Are you likely to be spared? Hezekiah took the letter from the hands of the messenger and read it. He then went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah said this prayer in the presence of the Lord, Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned on the cherubs, you alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, who are sent to insult the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have exterminated all the nations. They have thrown their gods on the fire, for these were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, and hence they have destroyed them. But now, Lord our God, save us from his hand. I pray you, and let all the kingdoms of the earth know that you are alone, a God, Lord. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah. The Lord, the God of Israel, he said, says this, I have heard the prayer you have addressed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Here is the oracle that the Lord has pronounced against him. She despises you, she scorns you. The virgin daughter of Zion. She tosses her head behind you. The daughter of Jerusalem. A remnant shall go out from Jerusalem. And survivors from Mount Zion. The jealous love of the Lord of hosts shall accomplish this. This then is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city. He will let fly no arrow against it. Confront it with no shield. up no earthwork against it. By the road that he came on he will return. He shall not enter this city. It is the Lord who speaks. I will protect this city and save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. That same night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down a 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. Sennacherib struck camp and left. He returned home and stayed in Nineveh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God upholds his city forever. God upholds his city forever. The Lord is great and worthy to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain rises in beauty, the joy of all the earth. God upholds his city forever. Mount Zion, true pole of the earth, the great king's city. God in the midst of its citadels has shown himself its stronghold. God upholds his city forever. O God, we ponder your love within your temple. Your praise, O God, like your name, reaches to the ends of the earth. God upholds his city forever. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the light of the world, says the Lord. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Alleluia.
0: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls in front of pigs, or they may trample them and then turn on you and tear you to pieces. So always treat others as you would like them to treat you. That is the meaning of the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, since the road that leads to perdition is wide and spacious, and many take it. But it is a narrow gate and a hard road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus
0: Christ. So we've got a collection of some sayings from Jesus now. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount, but he's speaking in some fairly pithy phrases. And we start off by hearing, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw pearls in front of pigs. And I suppose that saying is kind of entered into our own English lexicon. We talk about casting pearls before swine. Well, I suppose to get a little bit of a handle on that saying, we need to remember the system of animal sacrifices in the temple. Now, what do you do with all of that meat? <laughs> all of these sacrifices have been offered up to God and, and, and parts of the animal were, were were burnt as a as a holocaust, as it was called. But other parts of the meat were taken and eaten by the priest and by the people. Um, but if it's been sacrificed to God, it's been made holy. So don't use that meat in order to feed the dogs because it's been made holy. And of course, the other aspect to remember, of course, is that Jesus and his disciples weren't neutral about pigs either. Um, You know, being good, faithful Jews, pigs were unclean. Um, They didn't eat them. They didn't farm them. They didn't keep them. Um, And the last thing you'd imagine doing is throwing pearls to pigs. I think at the moment we're going through a time where the idea of something being sacred is, is really somewhat lost I think we went through a period, certainly in the life of the church, where we kind of declared that everything is sacred, um, which has the effect of actually nothing being sacred. And now I think in our broader culture, the idea of anything being sacred or having some kind of privileged status is, is an abhorrent idea. And, you know, anything that used to be sacred now needs to be completely torn down with the upshot, of course, is that there's nothing holy and there are no pearls. Well, with a little bit of that in the background, um, what I'd like to do is to quote to you um, a a, a sort of extended little bit um, from a general audience that Pope Benedict gave on the 4th of August in 2010. Um, He welcomed a group of altar servers from Switzerland they brought with them a statue of St. Tarcisius, which had been on pilgrimage and going throughout Europe, um, and they asked the, the Pope to bless it. Um, and he used the occasion in order to talk a little bit about St. um He may be known to some of us, but um, have a listen to this. So these are the words of Pope Benedict. Who was St. Tarcisius? We don't have much information about him. We're dealing with the early centuries of the Church's history, or, to be more precise, with the 3rd century. It's said that he was a boy who came regularly to the catacombs of St Calixtus here in Rome and took his special Christian duties very seriously. He had a great love for the Eucharist, and various hints lead us to conclude that he was presumably an acolyte, that is, an altar server. Those were years in which the Emperor Valerian was harshly persecuting Christians who were forced to meet secretly in private houses, or at times also in the catacombs, to hear the word of God, to pray, and to celebrate Holy Mass. Even the custom of taking the Eucharist to prisoners and the sick became increasingly dangerous. One day... When, as was his habit, the priest asked who was prepared to take the Eucharist to the other brothers and sisters who were waiting for it, young Tarsitius stood up and said, Send me. The boy seemed too young for such a demanding service. My youth, Tarsius said, will be the best shield for the Eucharist. Convinced, the priest entrusted to him the precious bread saying Tarsitius, Remember that a heavenly treasure has been entrusted to your weak hands. Avoid crowded streets, and do not forget that holy things must never be thrown to dogs, nor pearls to pigs. Will you guard the sacred mysteries faithfully and safely? I would die, Tarsicio answered with determination, rather than let go of them. As he went on his way, he met some friends who approached him and asked him to join them. As pagans, they became suspicious and insistent at his refusal and realised he was clasping something to his breast that he appeared to be protecting. They tried to prise it away from him, but in vain. The struggle became ever fiercer, especially when they realised that Tarsisius was a Christian. They kicked him, they threw stones at him, but he did not surrender. While Tarsisius was dying, a Praetorian guard called Quadratus who had also secretly become a Christian, carried him to the priest. Tarsisius was already dead when they arrived, but was still clutching to his breast a small linen bag containing the Eucharist. He was buried straight away in the catacombs of St. Calixtus. Pope Damasus had an inscription carved on St. Tarsisius' grave. It says that the boy died in the year 257. The Roman martyrology, fixed the date as the 15th of August. And in the same martyrology, a beautiful oral tradition is also recorded. It claims that the most blessed sacrament was not found on St. Tarsisius' body, either in his hands or his clothing. It explains that the consecrated host, which the little martyr had defended with his life, had become flesh of his flesh, thereby forming together with his body a single immaculate host offered to God. So they were all the words of Pope Benedict. And I think sometimes, you know, it's easy enough to outline an argument or put forward some kind of logical proposition, but sometimes it's great just to point to something beautiful and allow it to speak for itself. I think St. Tarsisius shows us that there are holy things in the world. There are pearls. We're kind of inching our way back to normality, back to mass, back to Sunday mass and larger congregations, and it keeps striking me that uh, you know, as as we come close to the Eucharist once more, that we mustn't be dogs or swine. <laughs> that we truly need to acknowledge the preciousness of what it is that we receive in the Eucharist, or more precisely. Who it is that we receive in the Eucharist? Has our time away made us more hungry, or has it made us more complacent? That final little detail that Pope Benedict referred to from the Roman Martyrology—this this fact that the Eucharist actually wasn't found on Saint Narcissus's body, but that uh, you know tradition held that it had actually become part of his body. Um, you know, whilst it sounds kind of miraculous, I think it's entirely plausible for the for the simple fact that that's what Holy Communion's for. It's there to turn us into Christ. That the holy thing that we receive, the pearl that we receive, doesn't allow us to remain dogs or swine, but transforms us into one who is holy, turns us into a great shining pearl. But it's not magic. It doesn't happen in some mechanical fashion. It's not a chemical reaction. We need to receive the Eucharist. We need to receive holy communion. I certainly hope that the coronavirus pandemic has inspired something new in us. Let me, let me finish with a last few words from Pope Benedict to these altar servers. He says this. St. Tarsisius' testimony and this beautiful tradition teach us the deep love and great veneration that we must have for the Eucharist. It's a precious good, a treasure of incomparable value. It's the bread of life. It's Jesus himself who becomes our nourishment, our support and strength on our daily journey and on the open road that leads to eternal life. The Eucharist is the greatest gift that Jesus bequeathed to us. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
1: For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever.
0: Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion.
1: My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.